Thank you, Miss Snow. Appreciate you tonight. Well, <clears throat> all right. We'll open our Bibles and go to the book of Second Peter. And just continue on until the Lord comes in the Word of God. There's something marvelous about this precious word to the Christian. And I appreciate the Lord's faithfulness to give us understanding. And he's going to talk some about that here in the book of Second Peter. We've been through First Peter, primarily dealing with hope and uh, being faithful through times of suffering and how to suffer right and um, seem to be very helpful and timely and um, very similarly, uh, very similar uh, here in Second Peter. Um, the introduction is, is similar in essence of who he's writing to. In this general epistle, there's no church specifically named here like you have uh, in other books of the Bible, but uh, this is um, kind of similar to what is being done in the book of First Peter, uh, where he was dealing to those that are scattered abroad, maybe in Asia Minor. Um, but um, it's just for all Christians in all times. And um, despite what anybody says, uh, this book is for me and you, and we can uh, apply it to our lives and get help from it. And um, so this is uh, another, again, he's writing again the second time. Um, and in verse, in verse number one of the book of Second Peter, chapter number one, um, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So I don't see anything in the first verse that eliminates me uh, from this book. Do you? To them that have obtained like precious faith. I don't see anything Jewish about it. I don't see him saying only to um, Jewish converts or uh, previous Jews or anything of that nature. Um, like some people have tried to make these books from Hebrews on say. But that's not what he says. He just says to them that have obtained like precious faith uh, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. That's Jew or Gentile, Right? That is anybody that is saved, got saved that way, Jew or Gentile. And so he starts out, and again, we have Simon Peter, a servant and apostle, very similar. If you go back to chapter 1, read verse, I mean, um, in the first Peter, and read verse 1, it's very similar uh, in how he addresses and begins his letter. And uh, to them that have obtained like precious faith. Uh, again, in verse number one, he uses this word obtained. He doesn't use the word attained. Uh, so what we're dealing with here is obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is imputed righteousness, right? Uh, this is not the righteousness that we have attained to. Uh, this is not a um, standing that I got to because of my good works. Uh, this is a standing that we got, and we are in the faith based on the righteousness of someone else, right? 
the righteousness of Jesus Christ our Savior. And, uh, and so that's how he begins verse number one. He begins at a foundation. And I love reading almost nearly every book of the New Testament uh, and how endearing that it is and following that pattern of in meekness instructing those. And almost every book of the New Testament uh, is starting out when they um, appeal to who their audience is. It's very, uh, it's very endearing, very beloved and very loving and um, I, I just I just love these introductions and studying uh, various introductions. I don't want to spend a lot of time in in that thought, but um, it's very interesting to go back and study uh, most of the introductions in the books of the New Testament. But uh, I want to move on to something else tonight. But so I appreciate the the love that he has um, in laying a foundation uh, for us and saying, "All right, now I'm writing to you." that have obtained light, precious faith just like I have, right? And he's not, he's not coming at us from up here and, you know, all you need to, you know, he's, he's saying, look, I'm a, just a servant of Jesus. I'm an apostle in my office, but I've obtained light, precious faith the same way you did through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And there is no other way any other man will ever be declared righteous in heaven, ever. Uh, but based upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So if you're hoping for any other way, you are going to be sadly disappointed at the judgment. And so uh, he said, look, I, I, I want to lay this foundation. We are, we are saved based on the grace of God and based on the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. And so I'm writing to those that are also saved. And so he, this is a, a epistle to the expectation of Christians because what he's going to lay out in the next following verses would be impossible for a lost person to be able to do. Uh, but Christians can do what he's going to lay out for us next and adding uh, various things. And so um, that's what we're going to get to in a minute. Uh, but so he, he starts out with that foundation. Uh, but Paul nor Peter, either one, ever have the expectation that Christians are to get saved and to just go nowhere. Right? There's always a going on. There's always a moving up higher. There's always a, uh, some people have the idea that if I just get saved, then at least I'm not going to hell and I'm good to go and I can just go live any way I want to. Uh, that's not the expectation of the Bible. The, the Bible says, let us leave those foundations, not in the sense that we ever lose sight of the fact that we're justified on the righteousness of Jesus and we are righteous based on him. We don't ever want to leave that in that sense, but we need to go on past that, right? We need to, we need to uh, grow up in the Lord. Lord, right? The Bible talks about Paul used, often refers to growing up and growing up into him and all, in all things. And uh, let us go on into perfection, he says. And uh, so let's, let's go on. Let's, actually, let's not just stay. Well, we got saved and, and now we just, and, and that, that troubles me some about people that make professions, right? And they'll say, you know, they'll come in, they'll make a profession and then you never see them again. I, I don't know what happened, but that's not what happened to me, and I, I, don't, I just worry about that because the Bible says uh, there ought to be something in there driving you to go on, to know more about what you, who you just learned of. And so we got started out, and he's going to deal many times, and I didn't write down the number of times. I could count them quickly, but he uses two different words and kind of the same root word of the word knowing or knowledge. And he uses that word in uh, verse 14, verse 20, chapter 3, and verse 3. 
3, verse 2, 3, 5, 6, 8, chapter 2, verse 20, and chapter 3, verse 18. No knowing or knowledge is used. That's many times those two words. So every time you go through there in this book, if you write in your Bible, uh, maybe underline those words because it's very important. Uh, I had one of the greatest questions I've ever had somebody ask me when we were at that meeting, Brother Reed. Uh, that young lady asked, why is it important? Why, why is, and basically what she was asking is what doctrine, why is doctrine important? But she said it like this, why are denominations important? Why does that matter? And I said, well, I think it's very important, right? I mean, even non-denominationals have a doctrine that they believe. They claim non-denominational. Well, they're a denomination unto themselves, right? They have a teaching, a doctrine that they believe. And what, so what you believe, governing what you do, is very important to lay a foundation of what you first believe. And what's the first thing you believe? I can't get to heaven without Jesus, Right? But you ought to grow past that, and we ought to know a lot more about it. We, and that's why you're here, and that's why we come on Sunday morning, Sunday night. We want to learn more about the Lord, more from the Word of God. We want to grow, uh, but not just be puffed up in our knowledge. Right? So chapter 1 really deals with those two words and dealing with knowing things and knowledge. Uh, even, even the basis upon which we're saved is often referred to coming to the knowledge of the truth. Or God granting repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And so God wants people to know some things. The mind being illuminated to the truth. The Holy Ghost showing you the truth and the light. And that darkness flees. And you believe and exercise faith based on that truth and that light. And so that's how it all starts. And then it, growth uh, is, is, is dependent upon knowledge. Right? But not mere knowing in itself. You can't stop and just have a superficial um, newspaper reading of the Bible. I know a lot of people. I know one guy that was coming here and he was coming to our services. He was so fired up. I can't wait. I'm going to be here. I love this place. I love your preaching. Uh, and then he, he went on and uh, uh, started beginning. All he was worried about was, well, what books do you read? And I smartly answered the Bible. Probably shouldn't have done that. But he said, well, I, I like to learn doctrinal things. I like to learn new things. And that always bothers me. Just learning things isn't going to help anybody if you don't apply it to your life, right? And we know that. Knowledge puffeth up. And so uh, he says to us, you know, not knowledge, uh, not just the knowledge in itself, uh, but we've got to do something with that knowledge. So not hearing of the word only, but also doers. That's where we get in a lot of trouble. So in chapter number one, he's going to talk a lot about knowledge, but only so that they'll understand they've got to apply that knowledge to their life to avoid chapter two. Because chapter two is there's false prophets all around, right? This is what that young lady was asking me. Why is denominations important? Because if you don't get in this Bible and study the Bible and you don't add to your knowledge and you add to this and you add and you, you surround knowledge with all the other additions and virtue and the other things that are mentioned there, uh, that'll keep you from getting puffed up. But if you put that knowledge of what you've learned into action and you start adding to that and you start growing in the Lord, it will help you avoid being misled by the false prophets that are around, Right? Somebody telling you that you can lose your salvation. Uh-uh, I've learned better than that, right? So you can avoid, you know he's not true. You know he's not right. You know. And so that's his, 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 uh, the, the, the greatest uh, thing uh, that uh, he's going to talk to us about here in this knowledge is so that we can avoid being misled uh, by these uh, false prophets in chapter number two. 
So we've got to add to this knowledge. So uh, you come to Sunday school and you learn some things in Sunday school. Uh, uh, You've got to go then and actively apply that knowledge. Um, uh, Just take, for instance, in being meek. Right? And so we've got to apply, actively apply meekness and humility in our life. We've got to, we've got to put into action uh, forgiving those that have trespassed against you. If you don't put that into practice, you can quote it, put it on a bumper sticker, and make a Facebook post to make yourself look spiritual. But if you don't forgive people, it's worthless. Right? Knowing it's done you no good. I know somebody, they tell me this all the time. Well, at least I know better. Can I say this? Knowing better might even make it worse. He alludes to that in chapter, I think it's still chapter 2, maybe it's still chapter 2, where he said it would have been better had they not known. (laughs) Because judgment's going to be according to light. Right? There'll be those rise up in judgment against you. I would have done great and mighty works over here, and uh, and they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. They're going to rise up in judgment against you because they didn't know what you know. Right? And so um, uh, some people say, well, at least I know better. Ah, That may be worse, the fact that you know better and still don't do it. That's worse probably than somebody that doesn't know any better, right? Uh, My wife, she never uh, ever heard or anybody ever teach about modest apparel. She never heard that preached in her life. But the one time she did, she just submitted to it and just went on and and just did it because she saw it in the Word of God. Uh, but to have that taught for 20 and 30 years and still don't do it, I don't know that you're, uh, you're pretty bad off, right? Now don't die on me. So uh, 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 he doesn't want us to be ignorant. He, there's many things that he wants us to know, but there's a purpose behind the knowledge, right? Put it into action. Actively apply the truths that you learn in your everyday life. And uh, so uh, young people especially, give yourself to um, uh, the Word of God, absorbing the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, uh, but for the purpose of, not so that you can quote more scriptures than everybody else, but so that you can apply it to your life, right? And so uh, in chapter number one, I, I put, um, remember, the, remember fruitfulness in the present. And that's the, my title of chapter number one is to remember fruitfulness in the present. So he's going to talk about uh, the false prophets and then he'll go on to talk about the future, uh, pl- um, the predetermined future uh, that we have. Uh, but here in chapter number one, he's going to tell us and exhort us, don't lose sight of this fact. You're still expected to be fruitful, right? Uh, and say, so why do you say that? It seems, it's silly. Well, I've seen a lot of people when they start going through suffering and they see the end coming, they think it's time to just, well, Jesus is coming anyway. It doesn't really matter. Many people aren't responding. It's not going the way I thought it would or this or that. And so you just get discouraged and you let yourself quit, right? Just kind of give up, get cold. And I, I, you know, I, well, I'm not going to do anything anymore. It's not worth it. It's not, you know, somebody else can do it. And you just let yourself quit and get cold and get indifferent towards things. And, uh, and so don't forget, in the middle of all this suffering, in the middle of the fact that at any moment Jesus could come, and in fact, in light of all that, which he's going to allude to in chapter 3, don't forget you've still got to be fruitful, right? Because he's going to say that. I don't want you to be unfruitful nor barren in this knowledge. I want you to know these things, but I want you to bring forth fruit, right? And so don't forget to be fruitful uh, in the present. And so he starts out in verse number one. He appeals to the, the basis upon which we all stand, and uh, that's upon the grace of God and the righteousness of Jesus. And then in verse number two, he ends kind of, or starts here where he kind of ended in his last, uh, but also mentions this in the beginning of his last verse. He's, he's all about grace and peace being multiplied, <laughs> and you're going to need it. <laughs> 
You're going to need a lot of grace to get through this life with a good testimony. You're going to need a lot of grace to get through each day. And boy, if we've ever needed peace, we need it today. Peace among each other. Peace in the church more than anything in the world. Uh, striving to keep that unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. It's going to be a hard work to do it. The enemy just tries to stir up in every avenue he possibly can. And uh, it will take active, extreme effort uh, to try to maintain unity in the church. It doesn't come naturally. Uh, But we need peace. Peace in ourselves, peace in our homes, peace in the country. And we need peace in our churches uh, to be at peace among ourselves. And so he says, here's what I want for you. I want God to multiply grace and peace to you. Well, that's that's a miracle. God can multiply it to you. You say, I'm down. Boy, I sure could use God to touch me. God could touch you in a multiplied way. And I don't know by what means it means multiply. Times 10? I don't know. I guess there's a limit on, the, on, on God's multiplication. Do you, Brother John? God can just multiply you enough grace. I've seen people go through things. I don't know how they went through it. Uh, but God just multiplied grace to them, multiplied peace in their life. I, I, I've seen people suffer some of the most horrific health things. And, and man, they just seem to be at peace anyway. Uh, God's God multiplying that to you. God can do that for you. So uh, don't lose sight uh, of uh, the fact that we must be fruitful in these times. So grace and peace be multiplied unto you. And, uh, and the only way that you'll have grace and peace, and that's through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I like how he refers to Jesus as our Lord uh, in this chapter. Uh, But the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is what he, uh, again, we see this is the first time that word's mentioned, but he'll mention it several times. So here he says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And so um, I want to ask you, uh, uh, if we want peace and grace to be multiplied into our lives, how are we going to do it if we're not learning and growing in knowledge of the Lord, right? How are you going to have grace and peace in your life if you separate yourself from the Bible? Now, uh, that's in growth. Now, here he's saying grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And so we have to continue to go on to learn in our understanding and knowledge of who Jesus is. It takes years. I've talked to, uh, if you were to ask Brother Jones here tonight, a man that studied this Bible for Lord knows how many years. He's still growing in his knowledge and understanding of the Bible and the Word of God. And we should always be going that way, right? Growing in our life. Well, I'm not at peace in my life. Well, how much are you learning about the Lord? You won't be faithful to church, so you don't get much there. And, uh, you don't, and I would say a person not faithful to church is probably not very faithful to read their Bible at home, uh, just in, if I had to just guess. And uh, so then you wonder why you can't be at peace in yourself. And uh, you want God to multiply your grace, but you won't even read the Word of God. I, I, it's, it marvels me. Uh, you won't put into practice the things you have learned. You won't go to Him in prayer. And the only way you're going to have grace and peace multiplied in your life is through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And there's no other way. You can't, uh, there's no pills, there's no bottles, there's nothing else in the world that can offer peace and multiplied grace uh, like uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Christ can. So uh, I want to, in fact, the Bible says there's so much more as we see the day approaching, we ought to not slow down. We ought to be more active uh, in our faith, more active. If we've ever read the Bible, we need to read more. If we've ever prayed, we ought to pray more. This is not the time to put it on cruise control, right? Time to step up your game, as some would say. Step it up. And uh, do more than you've ever done. Say, well, I've done enough. No, you haven't. You haven't done enough. Just keep on doing things, growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. Now, verse number three, he said, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things pertaining to life and godliness. And then he mentions knowledge again, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. And so again, he mentions in verse number three, this word knowledge is mentioned again. Uh, but pay attention to the first part of that verse. According as his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So he's going to go on and he's going to lay out some ways in which we are to grow in the Lord. And he's going to tell us that there's nothing that God needs to do anymore for you in order to expect for you to do the things he's going to expect you to do here in a minute. He's given you everything. You have everything you need to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I, I, I'm assuming, you know, some people, they, they get saved and maybe they don't get in the right church or they don't get discipled and they don't. Uh, but that responsibility is not on the pastor or a church to grow you in the knowledge of the Lord. That expectation is on you. Right? It's your responsibility to read the Bible. It's your responsibility to be faithful. It's your responsibility to pray. Your respons- it's not the church's program's responsibility and make sure we have a discipleship class. Discipleship class happens three times a week. It's called come to church. <laughs> right? That's what I'm going to tell these drug addicts. You're no different than anybody else. You, sin like, you just got sins like we all do. Just come to church like the rest of us. You don't need a special meeting. Uh, if you won't come on Sunday, you're not going to come on Monday. You don't want to get right with God. It's your problem. Amen. Hallelujah. Now I know that... COVID's going on. I'm not talking about that. But you know what I'm talking about. People that have just chosen to not continue to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord any longer. They, they have no desire to grow. And uh, I would be concerned if I was saved, if I didn't have a desire to want to grow and be better and do more. I, I, would, I, would have, I would question myself, would you not? Make your calling election sure. Just keep on adding, keep on doing, keep on growing. And smile at me while you're doing it. Whereby, so, so he says in verse number three, and it's before he lays out all these expectations, church, he's going to tell us that according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So look at the source that we have. The source is the divine power of God has given unto us everything that we need. So when you go out and you say, well, the, uh, uh, you want to blame something on someone? Just blame yourself. So, well, I, I didn't respond right to that situation. Well, if they wouldn't have said that, no. It, you're the one that didn't draw upon the power and the resource that was given to you by God, right? Now, I agree. They probably need smacked one good time. Uh, but that's no excuse for your reaction, right? Draw upon the resource and the power that God's given you to overcome. That's what he's given you, right? All things that pertain to life. God's given you everything you need to live a godly life. And if you don't do it, it's your fault, right? 
Boy, the world hates personal responsibility. I love it. This helps me. There's nobody else to blame it on. You can just take responsibility. Your growth and your lack thereof is your own responsibility. Right? Now, we'll answer if we didn't go out and actively do, you know, we'll answer for that. But it's your responsibility to grow. And so he's going to deal with that. And he's going to say, in this growth and this uh, adding to and these things I expect you to do, I've given you everything you need uh, that pertains to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And uh, I thank God for the little last part of that. Uh, that's, uh, that's what he's called us to. And uh, uh, you can run down the the word search here on uh, on that word virtue uh, it's uh, generally it is um, uh, translated one other place uh, the praises it's used in um, chapter 2 I believe verse 9 of first Peter and he says uh, to show forth the praises of him that has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light uh, this virtue is an excellency, in my opinion. I believe it's, uh, this word is not meaning. Uh, there's, a, there's a translation in some places it goes to mean uh, like manly valor and, and courage uh, type of thing. I don't believe that's what's being alluded to here. I believe he's called us unto virtue, to excellency, uh, to pureness, to holiness, to live right, to do right. Um, to to glory that shall be hereafter, but also here as we live today. So we've got the source has given us everything that we need. Verse number four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be made partakers of the divine nature. And so uh, uh, he's given unto us, number one, we see the source that God is the divine power that has given us all things. And uh, by that same power uh, is given us by that same God exceeding great and precious promises. And we're, the word of God is filled with them, is it not? The word of God's filled with promises in this Bible that we can lay hold of. Great and precious promises that by these we may be uh, partakers of the divine nature. This is uh, God's holiness. This is the new man. This is not the old man. This is the uh, partakers uh, of the holiness of God, of the uh, nature of who God is and who he's intended us to be, right? He's called us to live holy and perfect holiness in the fear of God. And so our nature is uh, now that we uh, were born in sin, we have the sin nature, but we don't have that any longer in that sense. We were crucified unto him, right? We, he's crucified. He's dead. The old man's supposed to be dead, right? We're supposed to reckon him dead. But God is not that God's holiness and virtue and glory. That's what we're being made partakers of according to this Bible. Precious promises. I don't, is there a reason that you don't want that in your life? I wonder that. A person that doesn't want to be holy, are you saved? Now, I wonder about that. Now, a person that maybe struggles with it, I can understand. I'm, I'm with you on that. I wish I could be a whole lot more holy than I am. But uh, a person has no desire for holiness, no personal holiness, no, no growth in being more holy in their life, and no desire for God's people, God's church, no desire for godly things, no desire to pray, read the Bible, and grow, and go on. Uh, and I don't understand that. Uh, you've got something, something's wrong with you. Uh, because God's given you a divine power uh, that uh, pertains to all things. And then here he's given you precious promises. Uh, because he wants you to be a partaker of the divine nature. 
And, uh, and so look at this last part of this verse. I'm going to take just about five minutes and start into where I wanted to get to tonight. But um, that you might be made partakers of the divine nature in verse number four. And look at what he says there. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's not saying eventually one day uh, you're going to escape. This is what I think a lot of people have in their mind. Uh, they, well, I just can't wait for Jesus to come. Well, I can't wait either. I, I, I admit to you, I want the Lord to come and I want to go on and be with the Lord. Uh, but the Bible doesn't say who will escape the corruption that's in the world when Jesus comes. It says those that have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, you have escaped it already. <laughs> You've escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Have you? <laughs> Have you escaped that corruption that's in the world? That's a good question to ask yourself. Have I escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust? Have you been made a partaker of the divine nature? Have you escaped the I've already escaped it. I'm not escaping it, and eventually when Jesus comes, I'm already seated in the heavenlies. Right? I'm already there. I've already escaped it. That, that question's done been answered. It was, uh, it's actually eternally already been true. Uh, but I got in it 14 years ago. Right? 13, Amber, 14, one of the two. I get them confused and she corrects me. Well, however many years ago, <laughs> that's when I got in it in my mind. <laughs> God saw it in eternity. <laughs> But anyhow, I was made a partaker of the divine nature, and I escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I'm already out. I'm not, I, I, I desire to be clothed upon, and I want to go, but I've already escaped. That, that ought to give you something to be proud, or something to praise him for, something to, uh, 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 something to uh, talking about that glory and virtue, uh, something to be praising him about, that God, through the righteousness of Jesus, has caused you, has acted upon you, to cause you to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. God did that for you. If you're saved, you've already escaped it. Well, I'm not very happy about it. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you spend more time complaining. That's what's wrong with you. You're, you're thinking about the wrong thing. Get your mind on this stuff, right? If there be any what? Virtue. If there be any praise. If there be any good thing. Think on these things. Well, I don't think you're doing a good job. That's your problem. You need to remember that I'll rise and fall to my master. Quit thinking about what I'm doing and start worrying about what you're doing. <laughs> you want us to take a tally tonight of how well everybody in the church thinks you're doing? Why don't we vote on how good you're doing tonight? Now, don't die. You don't even know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to Hunter. <laughs> Just say yes, sir. Hey, get your mind on the right thing. Be thinking about the Lord. He is, he's, he's caused you to escape all this corruption that's in the world through love. Amen? Boy, that's, a, that's something to thank him for. J.C., when you was praying, that's something to praise him for right there. We had no way to escape that corruption. No way to escape it. We were doomed if it wasn't for Jesus. 
Get your mind on the Lord. That's what, he's, that's what he's going to tell us here. So he starts out, lays out the foundation. Remember, you have attained life, precious faith, the righteousness of Jesus, uh, through the knowledge of him that is called to glory and virtue. And he comes down there and said, okay, now consider all those things in verse number four. And he's given precious promises even uh, that he'd be partakers of the divine nature. And verse number five, uh, at the end of that verse, he says, I haven't escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And period, right? And we're going to start a new sentence now in verse number five. And beside this, and we're just about done because we've got to call our missionary. And, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge, there's that word again, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he wants us to be fruitful in that knowledge. And how we're going to do that is to get grounded upon the Bible, get grounded upon the Word of God. We know we're saved. We know we're in the family of God. Now we got to start putting it into action. We've learned a lot of things. We've heard a lot of preaching. And I think it's going to be hard at the judgment seat for a lot of independent Baptists because we've got more of the truth being preached than about anywhere else in America. I don't believe the Church of God, the Pentecostals, the Methodists, I don't believe anybody is preaching the Bible than, than generally speaking, uh, the independent Baptist churches that are preaching the King James Bible and repentance towards God and faith in Jesus. You're getting more of the truth, and it's just going to make it hard on us in the judgment seat because we're hardening ourselves where we're taking a lot of the truth. I've heard people tell me, one uh, fellow told me one time, he said, hey, my people can handle preaching. I think that's half our problem, Right? Some of you can be guilty of exactly what I'm talking about, and me and you and God know it. And you sit there and look at me like I'm crazy. You're crazy for not responding to the Bible, right? <laughs> That's what's wrong with us. We can take preaching. We take it and do nothing with it. That's how we take it. Or put it off on somebody else. <laughs> Amen. Well, if they treat me better, I'd be nicer. You're just full of the devils. What's wrong with you? That's right. You're, not, you're all messed up in your thinking. You're expected to treat people right regardless of what they're doing, right? <laughs> Go ahead and blame everybody else, why don't you? That'll be fine. Not going to hurt me. Amen, amen. Come on now. We got to go home. You've escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence to go to Walmart. Giving all diligence to go on vacations. Go, give all diligence to go to work. You do all diligence to do. You know what this word diligence means? I'm going to stop here tonight. But uh, this word diligence means eagerness, haste, carefulness, a steady application, a constant effort to accomplish, exertion of body or mind without unnecessary delay or sloth, the opposite of negligence, earnest endeavor, diligence. Be diligent. It's kind of like uh, what I preach Sunday morning, and I'm finished. But uh, 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 everything that you put your hand to, do it with all your might. That's what he's talking about here. Be diligent. I, I, if you're going to do something, do it, and do it right or quit. Right? <laughs> I, mean, I want to do something in the church, but I'm not going to show up. I just want an office. I just want something to do. If you're not going to show up, you know what it is for you to do? Just start showing up. I don't want to use people that don't want to show up. 
Can I just be honest? I don't want to use people and officers in the church that won't be faithful. <laughs> Man, I should about put up with somebody in a pair of britches longer than I can put up with somebody just won't show up. <laughs> Diligence. Diligent at everything else in your life but church, but Christianity, but the Bible, but your prayer time. That means don't delay. Don't let anything get in your way. Be diligent. Be earnest endeavor. The most important, the most serious, the most vital, crucial thing in your life is what you're going to do for Jesus. That's all that really matters in the end. So if you're going to do something and do it right, it better be doing what God told us to do, right? Doing spiritual things, getting in the Word of God, praying, doing things spiritually related. do, Do everything you can to earnestly contend, to endeavor, be diligent to do things that God's expecting you to do, right? Don't let anything slack off. But you know what I see as we see the day approaching? I see just the opposite. I see people diligent about everything but the Bible. If we, if, if, you, if, some, if some of us treated our employers like we treat Jesus, we'd be fired. Right? Is that too hard? Can we, can we take that still? Or do we need a safe space? That's the truth. People are diligent about everything. They're going to make sure, they're going to make, when it comes to ball, they're as diligent to making sure they practice six hours a day. They spend time on, I mean, their time is as diligent to do everything in this world that they can do. But when it comes to spiritual things, they're not nearly as diligent. They can take it or leave it. If you ate food, like you read this Bible, no wonder you're dead spiritually. No wonder you have no desires. No wonder you have no burdens. You starved yourself, right? You fed yourself everything but your spiritual man. That that old dog in you, he's going to win if you keep feeding him and you starve the other one, right? And so what he wants us to do is, beside this faith and this foundation that's been laid and this salvation, beside this, giving all diligence... There ought to be an earnest, let me read that word again, and we're going to call our missionary. This is Webster's now, and your diligence is eagerness, haste, carefulness, steady application. Did we not just read that we have an enemy that like a roaring lion going about seeking who can devour? We better be serious about what we're doing. Our enemy's very serious. So I want you with all diligence, here's what he says, and then before he lists all those things, with all eagerness, with all haste, with all carefulness, steady application, constant effort to accomplish, exertion of body or mind, without delay or slaw, earnest endeavor, given all diligence to add to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, and he goes on and lists those various things. And the only way you can do that is in the knowledge of him. So I want to exhort you. I know other things are very important in life. And say, well, we're not guilty. We're here tonight. I know that. These people living, listening online too. And it's amazing to me. They can make it to Walgreens. They can make it to Walmart. They go everywhere. But they're all, they, they've been way too sick to show up at church and worship Jesus. 
There is something wrong with you, sir, ma'am, wherever you may be. There's something wrong with that. And that doesn't mean anybody's mad at you or mean beating up. Take it however you want to take it, really, in my opinion. But the fact is, something's wrong with you, right? Be diligent to add to your faith and add those things in. And we'll go through those uh, next time we come together. But if we're going to be careful and earnestly doing and contending and earnest endeavor and application, well, we ought to give ourselves. When people look at us, they ought to say, that man gives himself to the work of God. That's what they should say about it. I know uh, you say, well, that's just preachers. No, no, not just preachers. I could name a man right now who's absolutely given himself to God's church. Could you, Brother Jones, I mean, men that are not preachers, that have just given themselves. Many of you do and have. And I want to I I just do everything I can to encourage you to keep on doing it. Don't let the, the last days and all that we're dealing with put a stop to that. It's worth it in the end. It may not be down here sometimes, but there's coming a day. It'll be, you'll be glad you've done it. Just keep on going. Love you. Lord, thank you for the word tonight. I pray that you'd uh, use these words to, Lord, help all of us. Every person in this building can be more diligent in spiritual matters and growing in the Lord. We need to do that. And Lord, sometimes it just doesn't seem even possible with all we face. But you just told us you've given us everything. Your divine power has given us everything uh, to life and godliness. So help us to draw upon those resources and help us, Lord, in these days. We have many that are sick. You know those that have been mentioned, our missionaries and many other requests we have mentioned. Be with those and help all of us here tonight, especially if anybody's here lost. Lord, they'd hear the voice of God and respond in repentance and faith. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand to your feet just a moment, and um, Brother Reed, let's do a a verse tonight. If you need to come, you come on. Just mind the Lord. (laughs) 